Welcome, everybody, to episode one of our podcast, Triangle Park Sports. Joining us will my co-hosts, Mr. Aiden and Connor, and myself, Anto. How are we doing? We're excited to be here. Love it, love it. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining us today for our first ever episode here. Um, you know, we just really want to take some time to explain or, or give a background to who we are and what we're really looking to do with this this podcast and um, hoping to bring you guys some entertainment while three good buddies are just being goons and talking sports. Um, but yeah, let's, Connor, let's get started. You want to introduce yourself and give a background to the, to the podcast? I want to get started. Sure. Uh, I'm Connor, 25 from New York, currently doing this podcast from Seattle, where I moved here recently. Um, I am a Mets, Jets, Knicks, Rangers fan, uh, Liberty, Gonzaga, UConn women. Uh, Any other things? Not really. That covers it. Uh, I don't know what else to say here. Yeah, no. That, those are those are my those are my allegiances, uh, allegiances, fandoms, yeah. allegiances, loves, <laughs> supports. Yeah. Cool. And I'm Aiden, uh, 25. We're all from New York originally. Um, currently in Providence, Rhode Island. My sports allegiances are Mets, Giants. A little different from my co-host here. Knicks, Islanders, and the Creighton Blue Jays for college basketball, women's volleyball, men's and women's soccer. Um, yeah, and I think, I mean, we're pretty much just here. A little bit of background on our name, Triangle Park Sports. We all grew up in, in Hicksville, New York specifically, and during the summers, uh, sophomore, junior, senior year of high school, we would spend one, two, three days a week, just at Triangle Park playing soccer, basketball, frisbee, football, um, disc golf, and any other random crap that we kind of came up with. So we we're kind of born and raised on Triangle Park because that's kind of the, the nature of this podcast. Uh, and Anthony, you can kind of just say why we're even starting this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And even just at the Triangle, I mean, we would even just go there and just sit on the turf and the tree, like we would just sit there, like Triangle Park was our spot. Um, but yeah, guys, so I'm Anto. Say again, Con? We go to Triangle, we play sports, we go to Taco Bell, sit there for a few hours, then we go back to Triangle, play more sports. Yeah, and I'm confident we'd all have six packs if it wasn't for Taco Bell. But yeah, but anyway, so uh, I'm Anto. I'm also 25, as the boys said. I'm from Hicksville, from New York. I'm, on, I'm also the one, only one who hasn't left New York. I've, I've stayed up here. Um, I live in upstate New York now. Um, my allegiances, you know, those New York Mets, the Jets. Uh, the Knicks, I don't really – I'm not – I don't have a hockey team. Um, I'd probably lean towards the Islanders, but I'm not really – I don't really have one. Um, Sienna Saints basketball, Kansas basketball for, like, a real contender. And I, I like uh, LSU football. Um, when I was little, I was brainwashed into the Ohio State Buckeyes, but we've we've kind of run away from that train for a while. Um, but, yeah, so we really just wanted to, to start this podcast because during the tournament, um, I got really heavy into just tweeting about every every college basketball game that was going on, and I was just tweeting all of my thoughts and ideas, and I was like, yo, this is a lot of fun. Um, and some people, like three people, liked, like, every single tweet. Um, not that many people interacted, but a lot of people, like, the same three people did. So I was like, yo, this is fun. But I really just wanted to 
go to a place where I could talk with some buddies of mine, all things sports. We're all, we've been sports fans our entire lives and they've played a big part of our lives. Uh, it brought us, brought some of us together. Connor kind of joined us. Initially I met Connor through playing baseball. Then we met him a couple of years later again, but I met Connor first uh, when we played some baseball. So sports has been a huge thing for us. Um, we really just wanted to, to kind of put this together to give us a chance to just, you know, shoot the shit and talk some sports with the boys, but also, um, Really, yeah, just take it to that next level and kind of just, you know, bring it to the, bring it to the, bring it to the fans, bring it to the people, and really just kind of, yeah, like I said, take it to the next stop. Um, but yeah, so we appreciate you guys tuning in. Hope you guys enjoy your uh, enjoy our first episode and what's coming. Um, but we're gonna kick it off, and Connor's gonna get us going. Am I getting us going? Yeah, I think uh, we're getting this going. We don't have. You want me to start? You want us? All right, I'll start. So to start. We're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, you know the, the the recent NCAA tournament that's gonna be actually finishing up. We're recording this the the night of the tournament championship. Uh, so when Gonzaga or Gonzaga and Baylor are playing tonight, so we're we're giving you guys a quick little preview for tonight's game. Um, but yeah, so so this kind of started. We started talking about this. I want to say maybe what the second round we started talking about the idea of putting this podcast together. Maybe even Not the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, probably yeah. The first opening weekend usually. Uh, or really, and I mean, we kind of threw this together in the last two and a half weeks. So this is coming together quick. Um, but yeah, so we really wanted to give you guys a started with us uh, shitting on your Creighton take, right? Oh my God, we are not shitting on my Creighton take. They lost by one. They missed a but they went. They missed the game winning layup. I'm, it's not a shit take. It was not a shit take. Just throwing that one yeah. out there. You, you say take a look at UCSB. I took a look. All oh, I saw was a big Awesome. Uh, but what else I saw? So here, here are my big three things from March Madness that I kind of, kind of viewed and see y'all's take on it. One, actually four. I have two from the women's, two from the men's. So the one is Max Aismas out of Oral Roberts. I mean, that was one of the bigger stories of the early rounds, and they even made it to be sixteen. Um, but it's cool to see a guy who sc- scores like scores at volume against like a bunch of majors during the season. It's like, well, who has he played? Has he done anything? But then he comes to March and does it against kind of the Goliaths of the world. And that was cool. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I have a kind of instinct that he's going to stay put at Oral Roberts and kind of ride it out there. Kind of like how John Morant did or those kind of guys. I don't, I think because of his size, he's not ready to come out yet. Um, so I'll be interested to see what happens with that. And the other one from the men's, is the two lumberjacks from Eastern Washington, um, Tanner and Jacob Groves? They balled out against Kansas. They almost won. I think they could combine for like almost over fifty. Um, the older one had over thirty. They're both transferring, and here's what I'm interested to see. Here's like what y'all think will happen. I think Tanner. He was the older one. Like he's the real baller. I think he could start at a at a power six power five conference and like put in heavy minutes so and i think his younger brother can play at a high major as well but do y'all think that they they're a package right and like maybe tanner goes to a lesser of a school um so that jacob can play time or do you think like a couple years ago sam and um I forget the other one, Hauser's from Marquette. Mm-hmm. One went to Virginia, one went to Michigan State. I mean, those are both like power, power schools. Um, but they're both from Spokane originally. So I don't know if – I mean, Tanner might might be able to play at Gonzaga. I don't, I don't think Jacob could, if I'm being honest. Um, 
what, what do y'all think about where the type of school they might end up at or whether they'll be together or apart? Yeah, I, I definitely could see both of them going power sixes. I do agree that Tanner definitely has – he has the make. He has the, like, he has the body. He has the skills. Like, he's, he's a power six starter for a lot of schools. My one thing is I don't know if he – he could start. I don't know if he'd be splitting minutes to start at that new school, though. Um, I mean, coming from Eastern Washington, like, very different level of competition, very different phys- level of physicality. Um, I don't know if when he first gets there, if it would be – to fit, like you put him against a Luca Garza for three games in a year. Luca's going to have his way by game three, I think, um, just because, you know, he's going to beat him down. Um, I do, I am pretty confident that that Tanner would, though, develop into a, you know, close to 30, maybe even 33 minutes a game kind of player um, at, at a power six. Um, Jacob, he could play, yeah, he could play power six. He could definitely, he could definitely do it. He's not going to be your go-to guy, though. He, I don't think he'll – he'll be a great role player. Um, I think he'll be great for, you know, sixth, seventh man, even eighth – maybe probably seventh, eighth man off the bench. Um, being that – I, I don't know. It's hard. With limited exposure, again, I've only seen them in, the, in that one game against Kansas um, where he played phenomenally. Don't get me wrong. He scored, and he scored in bunches, and he scored pretty quietly. Obviously, his brother had the limelight. Um I think he he could make some waves in the power sixes, but I don't think he's doing. He's not getting the the um, the screen time or the, the court time that he got at Eastern Washington to to make the impact that he did there. I don't think. Did they enter the transfer portal? Yeah, they did. Like the week yeah. after they lost to Kansas. Yeah, rightfully so. Yeah, so I, I like I like it better when those people stay in their small schools. Like, like having like the well being like the Michael Jordan of your school, like obviously not Michael Jordan, but like big guy, like will anyone spectacular ever come out of Murray state again? I was going to say the John Morant, like, yeah, that's never, I don't know. Being like that big, but also getting the exposure. Um, I'll be honest. I didn't, I don't remember their games at all. Um, but it would be interesting to see if they would go to like, um, power of five school, but like, middle of the pack so they're still like the star of their team and they get to play against the top competition more um well that's like what i would yeah i would envision them going to like I, i'm thinking of st mary's type I, place yeah a cow an arizona Washington that like aren't back. as high anymore yeah like mm-hmm. they're they're in these powerful schools but like i'm i'm by no means are they going to a Kansas, Kentucky. I don't right. think they're that. They could go to like a middle of the pack team, like North Carolina or Duke. Even like a USC. I'm not gonna like. I could see them going <laughs> to the school. Really yeah, like, what did you just say? What did you just say? Oh yeah, no, no. He just lost all credibility in episode <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, no. Teams that didn't make the tournament. <laughs> yeah, no. I also, I mean, Tanner could stretch the floor pretty well for a big too, so he could yeah. play in a lot of systems. His, his upside is there, and I, I just a matter of like, is Jacob? Mm-hmm. Are they a package? Um, and, and we'll see. And I think also we're seeing like this year because of the new transfer rule because of COVID, yeah. like the one year, no penalty. We'll see if that lasts. But I think that's also having an effect on like, you see like, a, like over a thousand, over, yeah. over a thousand yeah. guys. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I think that over a thousand, I mean, that number is insanely high, obviously, but I think I want to say close to 60, probably 50 to 60% of those are going to go back to their original school. There's just too many players in the portal to fill up 
I, probably, I, but at some of those it. schools, like, like if you're at like a higher level school, like, say so you're in a, at like Maryland and want to try to see if you can get up to the next level. Uh, Mar- and then Maryland is like, All right. Like I'm going to go get different player. And then like you lose your spot. Like, I was going to say, yeah, you lose your scholarship and they're going to shoot themselves in the foot, which is tough. Yeah. But that's why I think those mid majors and even some low majors, they're going to feast either the beginning, like right off the start or right towards the end. They're just going to fill, fill the void of those big guys. And it's going to be like you said, like if you're leaving mm-hmm. your school, you lose your scholarship. Okay. Well, you know, a VCU type school even comes knocking. Like VCU is going to get some really good transfers because of that. The A10 right. is going to be so so well. The A10 is not a bad program, like bad conference by any means. But St. Bonaventure is already going to get good. VCU, St. Louis, Dayton, um, Richmond, like all these schools are going to just feast off of these transfers. I think that yeah. I think that for sure, right? Like this is really good for the players. Yep. And it's really good for the high majors and the high mid majors, right? Like, yeah. like so. Mm-hmm. Big East, Pac-12, Big Ten, all of them are going to be fine. Yep. But then you mentioned the A-10. I think them, the Missouri Valley with Loyola Chicago, Drake, um, they have some other schools in there. I think those are also going to benefit. But then all of these other conferences, right, like the AA MAC, right? Like yep, yep, yep. Not gonna, they're not going to really benefit from the increased number in transfers, right? Other like than Rick Pitino and Iona. Like, like the, they yeah. probably will. Except for uh, Rick Pitino and Iona, actually. He just got a two-link transfer yesterday. They probably will in terms of, like, incoming freshmen, though, because yeah, there are some of these these bigger schools. Like, if you see someone who had, like, an incredible freshman year, you might want to take them over an incoming freshman who, like, hopefully is good. But, like, I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know how that balances usually. I mean, the, the richer is going to get richer. Yep. I mean, it's, it's good for the players. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I saw the, this guy who covers Creighton, and he kind of tweeted about it. He, he said, two, like, both things can be true in this situation, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is really good for the players and their freedom, right, and their ability to, like, have agency. But it's bad for the game of basketball and college basketball because the, we've seen, like, the, the teams that perform the best in March – are the teams that have seniors who have experience and team chemistry, right? Like, like the players that get really, really good at college, right? Like they're the ones who stay, right? Like Ben Simmons is a stud in the NBA. When he was at LSU, they didn't do much. Markel Fultz, I forget if it was him or Simmons who won player of the year. Washington didn't do anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. So like it can be both, both in, right? Like this is really good for the players, but like, in the grand scheme of things, all this movement isn't necessarily great for like the sport as a whole. Yeah. At the same time though, I mean, I, I do think like you're right in that sense, but Johnny Juzang transferred from Kentucky, best player in the, I think arguably one, arguably the best individual tournament performance we've seen in, I, I don't know who would have outdone him in the last couple of years. Um, I mean, probably, Maybe even since Steph Curry dropped like forty, and he was like average close to thirty in the tournament. I don't even know who else. I I, I, I take Kemba when they win the championship. Uh, I guess you're true, Kemba. Yeah, I mean he was averaging close to. I don't even know what Johnny Juzang was doing, but he was he put up like twenty nine. A couple like he had the most individual points scored. So like a, a player like that who's going to transfer from Kentucky, who had a rough year in Kentucky, to go and being a super stud for a UCLA team who's been struggling over the last couple of years too. That's like that's a huge, huge benefit for them. And Kentucky isn't they're losing another player this year. Who knows what's gonna happen with UNC's players now that Roy just retired and they just hired like there's a lot of these high majors that 
and again, Duke, like they didn't make it. Like there's a lot of this, these high majors that might be losing some players that go into these, as we said before, the high mid majors, or even some of the middle of the pack majors that just change the game. I mean, Oklahoma, I mean, Oregon, uh, Oklahoma state with Cade Cunningham, they had one of the best players. It's not the best player in the nation this year struggled in the tournament. I mean, it, yeah, it's, and, it's really, they, like you said. they struggled for the first half of the season until like that freshman figured out because there weren't pieces there. Mm-hmm. Right. And then like, you see like a team like Iowa because of Luca Garza, right. That leadership. And they had a good core. Um, they were consistent throughout the whole year. Right. No one thought that they were going to win the championship, but right. Like, they were, they were ready to go right away, right, uh, because those pieces were there. Um, yeah, yeah so I, I mean, I, I mean, transfers are exciting, right? Like, I mean, I mean it changes it up, right? Um, but also for the tournament, you see, uh, what do you think about this going forward? So Arkansas scheduled, I think it was Adeline Christian, Eastern Washington, I think, and Oral Roberts during the season. Like, they intentionally scheduled – the top teams in these lower conferences, just in case they would have to play them. Uh, I don't know if it was those three teams, but like, yeah, uh, sure. They, they beat them. Uh, they beat all three of them by, I think double figures, maybe one of them by seven, but uh, you think like that'll be a thing that teams do going forward, like scheduling these top. Yeah. I, teams. I think it's more so the flip side of it from the, like the low majors, like the mid majors for them, it's most beneficial. Right. Because Arkansas, I mean, now they've kind of come on the scene as like a good basketball school, right? Mm-hmm. Kansas, they have a lot to lose when they schedule good mid-majors, but right, like the Eastern Washingtons, the Abilene Christians, the yeah. Ohio's, the Oral Roberts, when they put high majors on their schedule, even if they get beat by 20 or 30 in November, that's going to teach them so much. And they're going to learn so much from that, right? So I think... Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if – yeah, I don't know if, like, more high majors will follow Arkansas suit. Um, I don't know. I think – I, 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 I love the idea, like, they, that they came up with that. Like, you know, again, like Aiden was saying, I think it's going to benefit the the low mid-majors and the low majors because, like, Sienna does that. We try to schedule up every year. I mean, we're right. in the, MAC, like the NAA MAC, right? Um, we've been playing – we played Kansas a few years ago, Duke, Wisconsin. Um, we, we try to play up because, again – that does nothing but help you. We don't care if we get smacked because we're learning these things and it's also money, which is huge too. Um, but I think, I don't know if it has as much weight as they think it does, right? So Arkansas scheduling these low majors, right? You're playing them early in the season before, maybe what four, maybe four games into the year. Sometimes they're opener two, three games in. A lot of teams are trying to like kind of fill, you know, find their stride. And especially these low majors, um, you know, a lot. there's a lot of coaching the coaching carousel on the low majors really, really quickly. And it changes really quickly being that, you know, if you have success in a low major, you might get pulled up to that. Again, that, that a 10 is really where that, that high major kind of, or a high mid major, I think program and outside of Gonzaga, the West coast conference is like that too. Um, and I think with all of those low mid majors and like low majors kind of get pulled up there pretty quickly once you kind of make a name for yourself. Um, so there's a lot of finding yourself year after year and kind of learning and, and kind of developing. So I don't know if playing a team as early as they have does anything for you when it comes to March. A lot of teams play different games between the beginning of the year and their March season. Um, and you can ask, I mean, any successful coach, any, yeah, pretty much any success, successful coach will tell you the same thing. Um, you, you, you want to be playing your best ball come March. 
if you play them, you know, in early November, maybe their best player's out. Maybe their best player is missing the tournament. Like, things change. Like, I don't think Tanner and Jacob were doing what they were doing in March in November. They might have been, but I don't really know. So there's a lot that could that, that could change in those couple months. Um, but who knows? What, I mean, college basketball is such a wild ride. So who really knows what's coming? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, like, take injuries into account in that. Yeah. But, like, scheduling these potential – March matchups like yeah the players will develop but like the system they play is probably the same from the beginning yeah. to the end of the year. so um, yeah you're but right like on that one. again like those like the top teams usually schedule like one of the like specifically scheduling like the top team in the conference not like just any team sure, sure. Uh, in in hopes of in hopes but like in preparation of like maybe facing them in March mm-hmm. uh that was a good idea by Arkansas. And I don't know if like other teams will think about that because there was a lot of upsets this year. So yeah, they might this year was fun. consider paying more attention to those, those teams. Yeah. I just want to backtrack on something you said before even talking about Max Asmus. Um, I think he should leave now. His, I, I don't think his draft stock will ever be higher. Even if, you know, he comes back and does what he does this year and leads the nation in scoring again. And he's part of a, an Oral Roberts team that leads the nation in free throw percentage and all of this. What he just did and the way he lit up Ohio State and the way – I'm trying to remember who else they played after Ohio State. Um, Florida, yeah, and the way he lit up against Florida and even gave Arkansas, like, a very, very tough game. I don't I don't know if he's ever going to have a higher draft, draft stock right now. Um, I think I think now is the time for him to go, um, especially with the way that transfers are going. If there's more transfers and there are kids entering the draft, now, now is your time to make that middle of the pack, especially there's a lot of big-time players that – didn't perform as well as most people thought they would in the tournament. Um, so I think if, if he really wants a big shot at something, I think now's the time. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah. yeah, no. Uh, yeah. So I guess while we're just on the topic of, of the men's tournament, right. Let's just, let's just get thoughts for tonight. Right. So you guys kind of mentioned, we did see a ton of upsets, but we got number one versus number two. I mean, it's kind of like the game we all wanted. It's like like the indirect route to like the the inevitable. Um, the line I checked it before. The line's four and a half. I, I mean, I'm not a big better, but I I'm taking Gonzaga. Yeah, I'm taking Gonzaga by double digits. I think UCLA was playing as good as anybody, especially from an individual standpoint. Juzang, right? Like, I I think Balor's talented. I think. Their defense can stifle Gonzaga a little bit, but Gonzaga has so many options. I just don't think Baylor has the offense to do it. So I have Gonzaga by double digits. Yeah, I think UCLA just played the best college basketball game they had all year, probably by any competitor of Gonzaga, and they still lost. Um, And granted, it was a crazy game, right? Arguably one of the best games we've seen in a long time. Maybe not – maybe the best team that kids like our age have ever seen. I don't know – Again, the Kemba the Kemba game like that's well, awesome. The, UNC Nova for the championship was insane yeah. as well. And I guess yeah, excluding championships, yeah. though, yeah. I guess excluding championships, this is probably the best tournament game. I mean, regular whatever you want to say. I, I think it's excluding best championship. Game in memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like like Aiden was saying, like Gonzaga just has so so many weapons. Drew Timmy's fundamentals outrageous. The fact that he's a sophomore, I can't see him staying. I mean, after, again, what he's doing, he's got to go. But crazy world if he did stay. I don't even know what he would be doing. He would just absolutely be dominating. But 
they haven't Corey Kispert didn't shoot great in that game and they still were able to pull it away. Corey Kispert's a great shot outside. He's a great offensive unit for them. Jalen Suggs might be my the most exciting player in transition in college basketball. They they're just nonstop. And their their bench player, Ayayi, I think that's how you say it, probably would start at like 95% of college basketball teams. And he's coming off their bench for you. Like you can stop two. It's a three-headed monster, if not four or five-headed monster. You're gonna stop some, you're not gonna stop all. I think it's Gonzaga by double digits. I think it's going to be closer than double digits. Uh, I would probably still take the the line four and a half, uh, but I don't know. I, I always still picture Baylor as a team that like gets bounced early because that's what they've done yeah. for a while now. Um, so like, I just don't trust them now that they're here and the, the way they dominated Houston, not that Houston like, not that I thought Houston would win, but uh, Baylor just looks really good. Uh, so I don't, I don't know if it's going to be a blowout. Uh, like I could see, I could see Gonzaga like covering on a couple free throws at the end of the game. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder how much of that Houston Baylor game was bad playing by Houston versus good playing by Baylor. You know what Houston's I mean? Like, defense was just—they they were not like a great offensive team. No. And, no, they're, but, good, they're a great defensive team, and they couldn't stop Baylor. No, no. And, again, I mean, I think all year it's been Baylor and Gonzaga versus yep. the, the pack. Like, they've right. set themselves apart. There was a little couple of hiccups after their COVID pause where they lost to Kansas. They didn't look all too great. That's what kind of had me worried. I did have them bouncing. Um, I didn't have them in the finals. I don't think any of one of my brackets, maybe one. Um, I just – again, same thing as Connor, you said. Like, I just don't – Mm-hmm. So you can, I just don't see Baylor being that, that beast they are. Um, I mean, Davian Mitchell is good defense. I mean, defensive player of the year. He's clearly the best, um, but you can't win a basketball game when you're losing four to three twenty with three scores at halftime. Grant, I mean, Quentin Grimes didn't score in the first half. And if he did, I think he scored two, maybe um, they shot an abysmal, like 20% from three, 30% from the floor in the first half. There's no making that up when a, with a scoring team like Baylor is. So, Baylor was winning that game. There's no arguing that. I don't think Houston was as bad as it's – they played poorly. I don't think they're as bad as it seemed in that game. Um, right. That kind of thing. I mean, but Baylor's defense is just stifling. Um, it's interesting, too. Also, Baylor having, a like, an easy trip to the finals. But, yeah. uh, but I mean, Gonzaga has two besides the UCLA game. What are they – are they 30-0 right now? And I think they're 30, 30, uh, I think 31 and 0. And they've won like over 20 games this year by more than double digits. There's two games where they did not. So they have won 29 games. Yeah. UCLA and then one in the regular season by five. Against West Virginia, who was a three seed. And And this UCLA was finally tested and they pulled through. Uh, Yeah. I don't know, but like they've had more close games than Gonzaga has. But uh, Gonzaga did prove that they can push through um, a close game. So. Yeah, I think it'll be close, but I'm still gonna, I'm still calling for Gonzaga, my Gonzaga Bulldogs. <laughs> cool. Yeah, um, no. Well, just I mean, admittedly, I haven't watched a ton of the women's tournament, but I think my I have two kind of comments from it. One, Paige Beckers is insane, and she is Absolutely. a freshman. Um, can y'all hear the vacuum? Yeah. <laughs> Connor, talk about Paige Beckers and the women's tournament. Paige Beckers. 
I love Paige Becker so much. Uh, she's so like, like it is funny seeing her because she's 18 and her she's just very lanky and like the way she stands, like it's funny seeing it. But like she's so like, like her passing is incredible, shooting, uh, playmaker. But that UConn team was stacked. Like it wasn't just her performing. Like she got all of the hype. But uh, oh my gosh, I'm gonna forget her name. While you think I am just going to jump in, I didn't yeah. watch much of the women's tournament either, but I did see like every highlight from their game and her passing. I don't know if I've ever seen a freshman with a developed passing lane, advancing vision. Like yeah. she, what she does on the passing lanes, it's really is, it, it is incredible. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's time to fire Gino. Um, you know, last four final fours, they've been out. It's time to get him out. Right. I mean, you got to feel bad for UConn, like four straight final four losses. I mean, when are they finally going to get over the hump? <laughs> Seriously. It's like, time go uh no they're incredible i the pages biggest uh like the things that gino is that you need to work on was uh she's a little too passive to start games like she needs to start like being the great player she is instead of like letting the game come to her she needs to like attack it and and, like she did that more throughout the season uh so yeah she's incredible yeah i feel Uh, like i hear that a lot about star point guards they sometimes are prioritizing their passing a little too much to begin games and then they get in that mode where like they're in just kill mode and then it's just right it's not even not even just passing it's like she just wasn't like aggressive enough uh and that UConn team is so good that she often didn't need to be and she could just like turn it on and be incredible but like if she just like was in that mode the entire game then like then she would like be at another level yeah and like she's a freshman Women college basketball players, they don't leave college early. She has three more years where I don't know what all of the records are. I know I'm going to find them out in three years, maybe two at the pace she's going. Um, But it's going to be exciting to watch. And little old Gino, I think he's going to be back. He's going to be back on the podium. He's setting UConn records. And like that UConn program. Like that's, it's historic. Yeah. Yeah. Unreal. The fact that she's as a freshman is beating those historic Brianna records. Stewart and like yeah, yeah, it's insane. Um, it's yeah, but yeah, no, same as Aiden. I haven't watched really anything, so this my is, bracket for the women's yeah. was atrocious, and I I I mostly watched UConn women throughout the season, uh, but I would catch a few games here and there. Uh, <laughs> so. I saw the Arkansas-UConn game. I think it was, like, January, February. And Arkansas, like, bullied UConn. Like, they were just aggressive. UConn was uncomfortable the entire game. So, I'm like, you know what? Like, I think this Arkansas – that was the only only Arkansas game I saw all year. And that was enough for me, like, for me to be like, you know what? I think this Arkansas is going to go far. And then I saw they had Stanford in their uh, region. And I'm like, all right, that'll be tough, but – you know what? I I think like this team could do it again. I hadn't seen much of either team. They lost in the first round to Wright State, who got their first ever tournament win. 14, 14 seed upsetting a three, and I had Arkansas in my final four. So that was tough for me. Uh, and the team that Stanford ended up playing in the finals, Arizona. There were no upsets day one of the tournament on the women's side. 
the first upset of the tournament was day two. Uh, oh, yeah. So I had Arizona losing to Rutgers. Rutgers was a seven seed. They lost in the first round to BYU, who was a 10. First upset of the tournament. Uh, so, yeah, my bracket was my bracket was screwed, like, immediately. Um, but, yeah, the, the women's tournament was so much fun. A uh, lot of – especially, like, towards the end. Like, the first couple rounds was tough. Like, there really wasn't many up, upsets, uh, as opposed to the men's side, which there was a ton of crazy games. Um, but that led to all the games at the – end of the tournament were crazy. Like I think the elite eight on the men's side was such like a dud. Like it was kind of like pretty chalky, less uh, UCLA. Um, yeah. But the women's like the final four, there were a couple buzzer beaters that didn't go in. Uh, and the final game was just, was incredible too. So shout out to the women's tournament. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I mean, I think, all things considered, like the, women, the women's tournament made some serious strides for just women's college basketball this year. Obviously, everything was going on in the weight room. But, like, just yeah. – I mean, they got some serious front-page news throughout the tournament with just the excitement. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of exciting finishes to the tournament too. So, I, I think, yeah, I think it was a huge shout-out for the women's tournament. This and that, that Arizona-UConn – not Arizona-UConn, Arizona-Stanford. Stanford. Yeah. Which finish was – which one was the finish where, like, there, the they had two chances at the end? Yeah. The so, that was South Carolina. There was Arizona, South, South Carolina. Carolina. Because Stanford beat UConn, right? No, other way around. Arizona beat UConn. Stanford, South Carolina. Stanford, South yeah, Carolina Stanford had two opportunities not, at the bucket. They didn't make oh, it. Stanford was, won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was Connor to feels it. Out. Connor uh, feeling it. Like, I, I, I was playing for Stanford in that game, but seeing – like buzzer beater misses that just sucks especially that was like a tough layup and like a putback that really should have gone in i i hate i hate hate to see it so much as opposed to like the gonzaga deep three over ucla like yeah. that's awesome that the buzzer beater did, did, did jalen suggs call bank though Probably yeah not. i mean Probably should go back and play that second overtime. <laughs> Extend the tournament a little bit more into April. Yeah. All right. Well, that's enough about yeah. the tournament. Yeah. Um, yep. I mean, I am here with two Jets fans. There, something happened a couple hours ago. Uh, I can't imagine Sam Darnold having any effect on your emotional state as a human being, but <sighs> for my two my two buddies here, it does. Let me give my take as an outside perspective, and then I'm just gonna shut up. Arnold to the Panthers for a sixth rounder this year and then a second and a fourth rounder next year. For the Jets, this makes a ton of sense because if Darnold is not your guy, you have to get something for him. So it makes sense if you're trying to get away from him. I don't get it from the Panthers' perspective. The only way I can see it is the Panthers are hoping that they have a better environment than New York and maybe this could be a Tannehill situation when he went from Miami to Tennessee. That's it. But I think the Jets won the trade here if they really believe in in Wilson or Fields um, or um, Trey Lance, Wh- whoever their guy is or any of them. I th- I think this was a it made sense. But I, I'll give you guys like seven minutes to to bitch and moan. Con, do you want to go? You want me to start? 
Yeah, you go. You go. Yeah, yeah. All right. So for like, yo, I was not happy. I'm just gonna be straight up. Like, I'm not happy about this trade. I wanted Sammy D. He's my guy. I wanted him to stay. Um, I think he was dealt a really, really rough hand. Like he got in a broken system with no weapons in his first year. Didn't have too great of a year. Second, second half of his year, he started picking it up. Okay, second year, get a new system with Adam Gase, and again, no weapons. Struggled. Got sick. Back end, back end of the season, again, picked it up. Third year, I mean, it, he just really, really never had the chance to do anything. There was glimpses every game, every two games of him making plays with his feet, him making play, broken plays happen. I think that he's, like 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 you said, Aiden, I think he's going to be a Ryan Tannehill type situation where New York, New York is hard for any player. New York is hard when you're a top five quarterback picked or, you know, top 10 quarterback picked um, with these bright lights on you and you're supposed to be the guy, like, New York's hard to play in any sport. I don't know if I, I don't know if anybody could be could have been successful in the in the hand that he was dealt. I really don't. He was just in a really, really broken system with a really, really broken offense. They had, you know, arguably one of the best running backs of our generation in Le'Veon Bell. They didn't use him correctly. Um, I mean, it's just it's just really, really tough for me to see a guy that could have done something potentially kind of get 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 pushed away yeah they did get some picks out in, in his return I kind of wish they got a little bit more I wish they paired it with a pick um or I, I paired it with a um a player and maybe one less pick or something I wish we could have done something um I'm, I'm all up on this all up on the, the Zach Wilson train now give me give me Zach Wilson I don't think Justin Fields is going to be that good in the NFL I, I just don't I don't know. I mean, his size compared with his injuries, his injuries came back and forth a lot in the last couple of years. I mean, I just don't know. He, he's just not my guy. So I want Zach Wilson. Um, word on the street is he already bought real estate in New York. He has also has family in New York. I mean, this is a Utah born kid who played at BYU. No reason for him to be doing anything in New York unless there's some something written in the stars kind of thing. Um, so I do think, I think it's Zach Wilson time. Unfortunately, as much as I would love Sammy D, I think it's Wilson time. So what sucks about this <laughs> is that how much like all right, if the Jets got the number one pick, Trevor Lawrence, obviously. Generational talent, like that's as much of a sure thing as you can get from like whatever everyone says that since Peyton Manning, right? Zach Wilson has had an incredible O line in college in a weaker conference coming to the jets who still don't have a great O-line. So we'll see if Zach Wilson can do his thing under NFL pressure. I don't know how much better Zach Wilson is going to be than Sam Darnold. I, uh, and like, if we, if we really think he's the future, maybe like I knew like, it just seemed right to move on from Sam, even though I really didn't want to. I wanted him to have another chance. Like, it sucks having the number two pick. Like, I was really hoping they would trade back a little bit. Maybe, like, let someone who really needs a quarterback jump ahead, maybe beef up the O-line and see what happens. Uh, give Sam, like, a real chance. But... <sighs> um, yeah, it's it sucks. It sucks. I don't... I. I think I like Justin Fields better, more dynamic, uh, but 
again, like I, I'm not really watching like the pro days and I haven't seen much of Zach Wilson. So I don't know. I like, again, knowing the little that I do, I'd rather have Justin Fields, but whatever. Uh, I don't think <laughs> either of them will take us to the playoffs this year. Um, what? In terms of Carolina, I don't get that trait. Like, all right, Teddy Bridgewater is like kind of like a Alex Smith type, like game manager. He's not going to like, he's not, I don't think he's much like a fourth quarter comeback guy, but like, he's not going to like lose you games necessarily. So like how much better, like, I think Sam Darnold's better than Teddy Bridgewater, but like how much better three picks? Like, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird move for Carolina. Yeah. I, I think Darnold's young. Yeah. So Darnold's young. And if he does have that Tannehill-esque upside, it mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. But I, it'll be interesting. We'll see what they do with the eighth pick. Do they go out and get him a weapon? There's like three really good receivers in the in go, probably going in the top ten. Um, right. Do they do they pick an alignment? Like what do they do with eight? Uh, because I mean, you, you you give a guy like Darnold Christian McCaffrey, right? Yes, Le'Veon Bell was the stud running back. They also, give him a good receiver him. like Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore. Like I don't want to get into it now. Robbie um, Anderson pisses me off. I don't want to do it. He's so, with the Jets for multiple years and gets like 500 yard games. He's with them for five games, gets three. Are you kidding me? I mean, I think Robbie Anderson is just not a. He's a really good receiver. He's just not a number one. No, he's receiver. not. He needs like other great receivers around him. Same with like Eric Decker. Eric Decker was like incredible, and then like all of a sudden he was the guy for the Jets, and he just like I don't know. You put the other team's best corner on him, he struggles. So I'm like, yeah. It's the Jets guys. I mean, come on. The Jets, yeah. I mean, doing? nothing's going to work out. No, and nothing ever will. Uh, all right. Well, I will. like 10 minutes, let's switch gears. Um, okay. If you're okay. listening to this, you can't see this, but we're all sporting our Mets gear. Um, it's opening day for the Mets because the Nationals, a ton of them got COVID. Oh, and they were, they were under suck. kind of protocols. Um, DeGrom struck out the first hit battery face this season. He walked and then let up a hit or whatever, but we're good. We're good. Unscathed first inning. Um, but Connor, well, should we, should we, I don't know. Connor, you, you, you had some baseball so, related things you wanted to kind of yes. spread out there. So the Mets, new ownership, a couple big signings. Our offense looks really good. Our, our pitching is still solid. Uh, solid. Best pitcher in baseball. Damn right. I had this optimism that I have never had in my Mets fandom life. Um, There was the tiniest part of me once opening day got canceled. That was like, I had this small feeling that Francisco Lindor was never going to play for the Mets. I'm like, like, this can't go that wrong. Like, (laughs) Like a Jed Larry, like oh my god, disappear off the face of the earth type of thing. I'm like, we just signed this guy for for ten years, like. But no, it's good. He he hadn't at that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm 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 excited for this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, I I think I don't think I have the highest level of optimism I've ever had. 
I don't know the last year I've been this excited for Mets baseball, though. I think this is going to be one of the most fun teams. 2015 was great. I mean, our pitching staff was young. They're fun. They're underpaid. That was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, Conforto, like Conforto is our boy. Like, we love Conforto. He was a rookie. Like, that was a very fun team. 2016 was shaping up to be fun. Mm-hmm. Things got out of whack. Um, yeah. 2019, I don't care what happened. 2019 was such a fun year. Dom Smith, the cookie cur- Like, that yeah. was a fun, fun year. But I think that this, like, I don't, yeah, like, this is such, I, I, the excitement around, not just like, not just us, right? But you go to Mets Twitter, you go to Mets, like, you just go to the Mets organization. There's this tangible, enthusiastic buzz amongst the players, the staff, the administrator, like, everybody from top to bottom that has any affiliation with the Mets. There's just this level of excitement that I, I don't know the last time it's been there. Um, again, I don't know if I'm as optimistic as Connor, but I think I'm equally as excited. Yeah, I mean, I'm not world teams or bust right here, but like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, it's Uncle Steve kind of said it within five years, like yeah, that's 100%. very tangible. I think 2016 was the last time there was this buzz, right? Because we felt if a couple things went the other way, right? Maybe, you know, Jerry Familia showed up. Um, the Mets would have didn't throw away a ball at home. Uh, the best. <sighs> no, I'm not. So gonna, like 2016 was that buzz. But then there was tons of injuries and it just didn't pan out. Uh, so I'm stoked. I'm really excited for this year. Uh, we're even starting the year with our number two Thor. Like he's not even available. Like once he comes back, I think he's going to have a big impact. Uh, I'm excited. I, I cannot wait to, to just watch where this team goes this year. Before we jump into Connor's thing, I just want to say, I think there's three keys to being the Mets being successful. I think it's a timely return from um, Cookie Carrasco, Noah, and Lugo. Our, our bullpen's good. It's it's not gonna get us it's not gonna get us there without Lugo. Trevor May was a huge bonus. Down Patan, uh, yeah, Patances is his his velocity dropped in the like spring. He just looked not right yet. So I think we need Lugo back. Um, Stroman, I love Stroman, right? Huge Stroman guy. He should not be our number two. David Peterson's not a number three, and I think they're doing that more so to to split him and Lucchese from the, the lefty back end back to back. But if you get a Degrom Syndergaard in Carrasco, Stroman, three, four flip, and then you throw in a Peterson or a Lucchese lefty. In a short series, I think we can almost ace two of those games. But I think I think the big thing is we need those three back in a, in a timely manner to, to make any type of headway. And we need Edwin Diaz to be even just a slither of what he was in Seattle. Yeah. We need him to... Just not... That's the thing about this Mets team. In the past, like, we give up two runs. It's like, it's over. We lost. We have a solid lineup right now. Like, we, had, we, we brought back a team that – The Mets need to score. Yeah, we like, brought back a team. Not. And like, yeah, come September, October, we're going to need to be able to close out games. But if yeah. we can come back from behind – We can average four or five runs a game. I'd be fine. My, my thing is, like – we DeGrom doesn't the, need that much help. He just needs well, help. DeGrom doesn't. But when you get Peterson in the line, I mean, Peterson, like the, the back end of it, uh, we're, we're come, we brought back a team that led the league in batting average, but was in the bottom third when it came to on uh, runners in scoring position batting average. We can't have that, obviously. I think adding Lindor is huge. I think McNeil kind of picks up his bat again. I think um, Nemo goes back to that super high on base percentage, and I think we'll be good. But, yeah, this team's going to be fun. This team is going to be fun. I can't wait. <laughs> All right, Con. So you, you you had a, an idea of some some baseball things you wanted to chat about. What do you want to? Yeah, just like other baseball news. So uh, 
see Shohei Otani yesterday. 100-100. Uh, first yeah. time an American League team willingly uh, gave up the DH spot to start a game since 1973, I think. Sounds very sick. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't realize how they did it. So he just filled the DH position, which is totally yeah. in the rule book. You're yes. allowed to do that. Yep. Just yes. 99.9% of cases, you would never do that. Right. Unless exactly. you have a player whose name is Shohei Otani. Or Carlos yeah. Zambrano back in First pitch in he saw cracks 450 feet. I love it. I love pitcher home runs so much. <laughs> Madison Bumgarner, DeGrom, Syndergaard. Is he is, is he always a DH when he plays, when he hits? Yeah, so um, – I mean, like the days he doesn't pitch. He used to only pitch once a week instead of every five, five. games. Like that's how they that, – that's how he used to – go uh so like he had more time to um to rest and he could bat more often uh this was the first time he bat in a game that he pitched and he said he's always liked batting and hitting so he can help himself which he did yeah I feel like it's also a mental thing like it's got to be so hard to I mean after, especially coming from like playing both sides of the ball your entire career and then coming and just yeah. doing one half you feel like you don't have your complete game behind you um yeah no it's definitely huge and he also took that pitch that was like almost that was an up and away pitch and he rocked that thing to right center yeah. that dude he's a freak man I when he went down with his surgery what year two years ago now was or yeah right yeah it was so disappointing because just the excitement around him he, he's a fun player to watch that Angels team had its ups and downs but I think he's I mean he, he's he's a prime yeah. example is why there should not be a universal DH right yeah yeah. Of, yeah, of why there should it or shouldn't be. There should not be a universal DH. I, I mean, I still think that I, I like the DH in the AL. I like there's no DH, DH in the NL. Again, we're also we all come from the NL East, right? We're all the Mets fans. We we like like this. I think it also is a huge thing when it comes to playoff baseball. When you're mm-hmm. in, you know, if you're the home team versus the away team, and it comes to the, to the World Series, that's going to change the game. Like a couple of years ago, I thought it was huge when the Astros got Zach Greinke because he came from an NL team. He could hit. Zach Greinke could hit the ball. When you go into the World Series, like you're not. I mean, Blake Snell going to the NL. That's huge. Like it's gonna it's gonna change the game come October. See, I I don't know how I feel either way. Yeah. I just know the pros and cons of both, right? Like universal DH, you're getting in a better hitter, mm-hmm. right? So like that's exciting. That's fun, right? Like especially at the end of their careers, right? Like a David, you don't get David Ortiz without Nelson the Cruz is 40 and he hit two home runs today. Like, like, so like, that's cool. That's fun. Um, but, and I, I, I mean, again, like you guys kind of, I like the pitchers hitting for the same reason. I like it. I also hate it. I like it because it's a layer of strategy, right? Like it makes managers really maneuver everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. But I also hate it because if you're in a tight game, Say, say it's a 1-1 game or even a 0-0 game, you might take out a pitcher who is throwing a gem who you know has another inning in him just so you can get the hope of getting a run. And, I, like, I don't love that aspect of it, right? But, like, again, it's another layer. I, I don't really care either way. It is what it is, uh, yeah. especially when we got, like, DeGrom, Syndergaard, you know, big sexy Cologne. The Bartolo Cologne home run was one of the best baseball moments of my life. That was such an top top five. That that, not being able to happen is 
a, a travesty. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely top five. It, it's up there with me for the Andy Chavez catching us. Like that's like, one of those little moments. Like I'm never gonna forget that play. But every time I think of Andy Chavez, don't I think talk of about Carlos it. Nope, nope, staring at nope, a three-two nope, pitch with nope, two outs. We are nope. we are positive going into the season. Yep, nope. No, nope, that doesn't Ansel happen. Brought it up. No, up. no. See, I brought up, I brought up the peak of that game. Brought up a no. good moment. You yeah, up no. Bad... But all right, oh, so, so you're, let's you're just. Telling nope. me, you're telling me you can think of Andy Chavez without thinking about Carlos Beltran. You can you I can look me in the eye and say that. Mind. I don't. I don't remember either. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. Well, there's two things I hate in baseball, and one of them is the 2006 Philadelphia Phillies. I hated that whole team. But the other thing is this new extra innings man on second base rule. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't, it favors the home team. It also, I mean, you walk a guy and then there's a base hit. It's game. Like not, you don't even have to walk him. Just base hits game over. And like, I get it's part of speeding up the game and everything, but I just, I I just don't like it. It's, it's not baseball. I, I think you ask most people who are like, they're doing it for the casuals. Yep. But you ask most people who are like avid sports fans I would prefer a 14 inning game where no one gets a hit until the 14th inning than a 10th inning game. And it's over. Like, that's not like, yeah. Fuck the casuals. Like baseball's not too slow. You just don't like baseball and that's okay. You like, not everyone has to like baseball, but it's fine. It's a two and a half hour game. It's like about the same amount of time as every other sport. Two and a half hour game. Yeah. I think you're wrong on that one. I think you're wrong on that one. Two and a half to three hours. Yeah, I don't. Like someone, three hours, though. Yeah, someone was complaining that a game was like three hours and thirty-eight minutes the other day. It's like that's normal. That's normal. I, yeah, that, like, oh, yeah, I'm not like, mad about that. Like going to a baseball game or watching a baseball game is an experience, an event. Like the, the pitch uh, shot clock they're doing now, like terrible. Like, 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 I, you said it best, right? Like you don't like you don't like baseball because it's too slow. You you just don't like it. That's yeah. it. Yeah, it's the same way that like. When, when Shaq brought up uh, lowering the women's hoops, it's like basketball's like basketball's not great because they dunk the ball. Like if you're watching it for dunks, then you just don't like basketball and that's yeah. fine. Like, yeah, no, I, I don't think by making a game any faster, you're going to get more people to like, no, like, you, like, yeah. And they're always talking about they're trying to transition this to make this more like youth friendly and like, you want more young people interested in to watch the games. Like, all these changes aren't making them more interested. It's just kind of ruining the game that was. Right. Um, and even like with the, the addition of like the, um, like the strikes and balls being called by a computer, like human mm-hmm. error is part of a game. It's in every sport. There's instant replay in every sport, but like you rely on a human to call off a ball as a two or a three. Like that's right. not by a computer. Like you watch it on replays and things like that. And I, I get that, but it's just not, I, baseball is a very, very different sport. Like it's, it's just its own beast and people like the casuals, if, okay, let's, let's just say we're watching this in a couple weeks ago when um, Stroman made a spring training debut and he threw that disgusting new changeup he had casuals aren't going to talk about that, but like people who avidly like baseball, like that pitch is nasty. Like every single play has a, you know, the strategy behind it on speeding it up. Isn't going to yeah change. Yeah. It's just, there's too many little things going on. Also, like baseball, it isn't a game you can casually like. <laughs> like, you, <laughs> no. like, if you don't like baseball, you can't turn on a game and be like, "Oh, this is gonna be a good time." No. You could turn on the NBA Finals and be like, "Oh, this, this is awesome." You could turn on a football game and be like, "Oh, this is cool." Like hits and stuff. Like, 
Mm-hmm. Ba- people who watch right. baseball are people who like baseball. Like you can't, you cannot casually enjoy baseball right. unless you go to the park and like you're just enjoying yeah. being with people. That's different. And you cannot that's enjoy. An experience. Yeah, you cannot casually enjoy baseball on television. Mm-hmm. It can't be done just no. by speeding it up. No, no, absolutely not. Right. And it's the the fact that there's just so many more things to do. Like 25 years ago, you had like I don't know how many channels. So like. What do you do? You sit down and watch the baseball game. But now, like all like the streaming services, people don't need to watch baseball. Like there's so many options to watch. So like, yeah, like the viewership's gonna go down pretty much all the time. But yeah, I don't know. Like there, so again, with all these like rule changes and stuff, like it's only hurting the people who love baseball. Like I don't think they're saving that many fans. Like put a good product out, market your players. Like there's ways to increase viewership without changing the rules period that's it yeah yeah no and yeah i think it's just that simple i think you're right besides besides soccer i don't know what sport is more internationally played that's like a mainstream u.s basketball might be up there i mean just i mean basketball is increasing yeah definitely i mean yeah i I think soccer yeah soccer is untouchable but right i I mean like baseball is like you get like yeah i mean uh, I mean, outside, outside outside of Japan and like America. Latin America, I mean that's it. I mean, but like again, those are huge. I get yeah, yeah population wise, yeah, no, they're, they're mad. Yeah, I, I don't know, but yeah, I, I think you nailed it on the head. It's just Rooney for the fan for the avid fans, not the eh fans. But yeah, all right. So if I ask you point blank right now, where are the Mets fan the Mets go playoffs? The Mets not make playoffs right now, Connor. And if they make playoffs, do they win division or do they win wild card? I want the division. Oh, I know you want, but what do you think? I think um, that's what I'm going for. All right, Aiden, same thing. Mets are winning the division. If they do not make the playoffs, I consider this year a bust. Yeah, I definitely I, – I, yeah, it's it's definitely playoffs or bust. I – again, I think it's the, the, the keys of getting those three guys I mentioned before back, whether we beat out the Braves for the division or not. Yeah. Pitching's going to be huge. But, yeah. All right, guys, that, are we wrapping this up? Do you guys have anything else we want to want to chat about? No, this is this this okay. That was nice. <laughs> this was a good time, man. Thanks. Start, it, was, but... it was good. It was good. Yeah, it's a good um, conversation. And I, th- I, think, I think this is what we, like, we're, I don't think we're, we're groundbreaking. No. I don't think we're going to bring anything that's completely out of this world. No. But, like, we all are coming from our different perspective, and we – had like an open conversation about it and like that was cool i i enjoyed i enjoyed this almost hour absolutely i think in a couple of weeks when the mets are really high swinging i think we're gonna have a lot more to not butt heads about but we're gonna have a lot more opinions about stuff and oh, yeah. if, if if pete doesn't bring that average up unlike he did last year and if we'll see what happens but moral of the story is pay conforto that's all i want to say is we got to pay conforto they're in talks they're in talks right. That's huge. That's huge. All right. Thank you, listeners. Thank you guys for joining us for our first episode of the Triangle Park Sports Podcast. Uh, We appreciate you guys. We'll catch you guys next time. Nice. Nice, nice.